Beast Watch News, watching the rising beast of Revelation. What has been in the news this week? The big story in America has been Ukraine Gate. I'll have an analysis of what might have really been going on. Is it possible that there has been a convergence of situations between Iran and Israel that the mainstream media didn't tell you about because they were too busy with the Ukraine phone call kerfuffle? Let's see. And then we'll try to figure out what President Trump may be up to. First, the Israeli election and the temple. These may be part of what you weren't supposed to see this week. A two-hour meeting was hosted on Monday by Israeli President Reuben Rivlin between Benjamin Netanyahu and Benny Gantz that resulted in a concession by Gantz to go second in the attempt to form a coalition in the Knesset. President Reuven Rivlin proposed a power-sharing deal, which Gantz turned down, and Netanyahu also tried to form a coalition with Gantz. Earlier in the week, it looked like Benny Gantz was ready to accept the Arab list of 13 seats after they endorsed him for prime minister. Of course, they did this in an attempt to oust Benjamin Netanyahu, and because Gantz promised to repeal the Kaminitz law, in exchange for their joining his coalition. The Kaminitz law targeted the Palestinian population for unauthorized building when it was enacted. The law, sponsored by the Israeli Justice Ministry, does not explicitly state that the crackdown on unauthorized building targets the country's Arab population, but in practice, it is expected to disproportionately affect unlicensed construction in Arab communities. But this move didn't get far, but in a minute we will see that it stirred up the Palestinians in a surprising way. The political party Balad withdrew from the Arab joint list after a couple of days, leaving Gantz with only 10 additional seats, but Gantz ultimately made a different decision, which was to concede to Benjamin Netanyahu so that he could be the first to try and fail in making a coalition. Now for the surprise monkey wrench delivered by the Palestinians. The Arab politicians joined the fray with one of their loudmouths spouting the usual Israel belongs to us mantra. Listen to what the Palestinian leader Ahmad Tibi had to say about Israel. Ahmad Tibi, one of the leaders of the joint Arab list that endorsed Benny Gantz, told President Reuven Rivlin that the land of Israel doesn't belong to the Jews. He told him that the Arab Muslims are the indigenous population. Well, hold on. A few weeks ago, I said both sides are wrong. Both believe that only they have a right to Yahweh's land, but neither understands it isn't their land. Neither the House of Judah Jews nor the Gentile mixed modern House of Israel descendants, the Palestinians, have precedence over the other, according to Scripture. Here is more from the Palestinians regarding the coming Jewish temple. 
The joint Arab list Palestinians hinted that the Jewish temple will be built soon. Listen to this article from Breaking Israel News. The joint Arab list submitted a letter of intent to support Benny Gantz, but it contained a surprise that caused the Jews some consternation. The letter, signed by Ahmad Tibi, contained a header with three letters that are routinely used for headers for written documents by religious Jews. The header in Hebrew means God willing. Amon O'Day, the head of the Arab-dominated Hadash party, did something even more surprising. He tweeted a verse from Psalms. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Psalms 118.22 Now this is the thing that caused the Jews the most consternation. The Jews believed that O'Day's intent was to show that the Arabs, who consider themselves to be a rejected demographic in Israeli society, and they are, find themselves in the position of being a cornerstone in Israeli politics. Of course, that cornerstone has something to do with the temple. And here's what Rabbi Pincus Winston said about that when he noted that an Ar- a Muslim Arab quoting Jewish Psalms is clearly divine intervention and needs to be understood. Winston continued, When there is no prophecy in Israel, God talks to the Jews through non-Jews, Rabbi Winston told Breaking Israel News. King David wrote this verse about the building of his dynasty. When the Jews do what they're supposed to and earn the merit, we are given the power to rule over ourselves. But when we don't, the rules of nature are set aside and God has to work through backdoor means. And when the redemption is coming closer, God has to disguise what is happening to confuse the dark side and make it seem as if the redemption is moving further away. O'Day thinks he is saying that God chose the Arabs over the Jews, Rabbi Winston said. That's really what the intent of O'Day's comment, what his tweet was all about. But O'Day is actually being used to send a message to the Jewish people in a way that is so bizarre that we should definitely sit up and take notice, said Rabbi Winston. Well, here's your problem, Pincus Winston. Yahweh is sending the Jews a message, but you're missing it. You missed it 2,000 years ago, and you're missing it now. Yahweh is telling you that all the tribes need to be included in Israel. TB and O'Day, who are from the house of Israel, feel this in their gut. And I believe that their DNA is even, even crying out for Yeshua Messiah. But they don't understand what is happening to them either. And because both of you won't forget your religions, you won't lay down your religions, and look to the kingdom, there will be war until Yahweh knocks this truth into both of your thick heads. 
O'Day was sent as a messenger to tell us to wake up, stop messing around, and build the Davidic dynasty, Rabbi Winston concluded. No, Pincus, this is not about rebuilding David's dynasty at all. You Jews are missing the opportunity to make good on your national jubilee vow from 2017 and 2018 in which you as the kingly tribe were supposed to recognize and bring home all the tribes you were supposed to present the three other tribes who are with you but who are not Judah as separate tribes from Judah and recognize the remaining tribes of the house of Israel and bring them back to reestablish them in the land you have disobeyed and now the reason Israel is in so much trouble is because Yahweh is requiring that vow from you oh my goodness don't you see that Yahweh is giving you another chance Pincus Winston before he has to bring war to Israel when addressing President Rivlin about his party's support for Gantz TB complained about Netanyahu treating the Arabs as second class citizens some people think we are the backyard of the state of Israel TB told Rivlin we are not a backyard we are not present absentees we are not guests we are the owners of this land not residents of this country we did not immigrate here we were born here we are a native population and this native population sent us to make a change well you can just stop right there TB you are not owners you are inheritors big difference Yahweh's land belongs to Yahweh alone and we just so you know this TB and you take this message to the other Palestinians in the house of Israel we get to live in biblical Israel on the condition that we act as good citizens and keep Yahweh's laws living there is conditioned it's conditioned on obedience neither the house of Judah nor the house of Israel are obeying the laws of Yahweh's land you both need to do better and now some more about the third temple the Jewish temple is now being advertised as Ezekiel's temple the third temple here is what the Israel Unwired article says the first two temples stood for 420 years and 410 years respectively but there were far more miracles and holiness in the first temple Solomon built the first temple the second temple was built by Ezra and Nehemiah and then further expanded by the Romans for much of the second temple era the priesthood was actually corrupt the Talmud recounts that those people who remembered the first temple and who were privileged to see the rebuilding of the second temple wept at the contrast now that's true there's a biblical account about those who still remained that saw the rebuilding of the temple and they did weep 
at the contrast between the first temple and the rebuilt second temple. Why such contrast? Most people believe it was because the rebuilt second temple was not as glorious in its construction. I don't think that's it at all. It was because the glory of Yahweh did not fall on the second temple. Nowhere in the post-Babylon accounts, Ezra, Nehemiah, and so forth, do we read that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. His glory only came to the first temple. Why did the glory of Yahweh not fall on the second temple? Because all the tribes were not present. The Jews kept the house of Israel, house of Judah people who were now living among the Gentiles in the West Bank from having anything to do with the rebuilding of the temple. And they were kept from worshiping Yahweh there too. In fact, recent news revealed that part of the reason for this week's conference of the 70 nations Noahide covenant renewal was to give the Noahides a place other than Temple Mount to sacrifice to Yahweh. They still don't want us to have anything to do with that Jewish temple. The fact of the matter is the second temple was a Jewish only temple just like the coming one. The Jews advertising their coming temple as Ezekiel's is a lie simply because it will be a Jewish only temple. Why do I say that? What elements must be present for the Messiah's temple to make it Ezekiel's temple? Well, first, it must be built by the Messiah. Zechariah 6.12 says, Say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold the man whose name is the branch, for he shall branch out from his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Oh, by the way, I don't care what they say about this Jewish man that's going to run that temple. He is not the branch. Verse 13. It is he, the branch, the real branch, Yeshua, who will build the temple of the Lord, and shall bear royal honor, and shall sit and rule on his throne. That's exactly what their Jewish Messiah, their Moshiach is going to do. He's going to go in the temple, and he's going to sit on this throne where Yeshua needs to be. That's what makes him the anti-Messiah. Because he's not Yeshua. There is only one Yeshua. uh, Zechariah 6.13 further says and there shall be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both now let's take a look at what will happen in the third temple that makes it different than this coming Jewish temple Ezekiel 43 verses 4 and 5 and then Ezekiel 44.4 And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate whose prospect is toward the east. So the Lord is going to fill this third temple. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court and called the glory of, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. Ezekiel is talking about this temple that Yahweh told him to measure this out and show it to the people. This is what I'm going to build for you. 
And Ezekiel 44.4 says, Then he brought me the way of the north gate before the house, and I looked, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord, and I fell on my face. That is the big deciding factor. Does that temple have the glory of the Lord in it? Well, the third temple, Ezekiel's temple will have the glory of the Lord in it and the land will have the glory of the Lord on it including Jerusalem and Temple Mount that will once again have all 12 tribes that is a requirement all 12 tribes I'm going to show you that in a minute Ezekiel 48 gives the apportionment of the land how it's apportioned between the 12 tribes and that chapter ends with the 12 gates each one named for a tribe this 12 tribe theme is seen in Revelation speaking of New Jerusalem Revelation 21:12, and the city had a great had a wall great and high and had 12 gates and at the 12 gates 12 angels and names written thereon which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel it is clear that Yahweh's temple as described by Ezekiel mirrors New Jerusalem the Jewish mystery Babylon will be a fake New Jerusalem they may in fact name gates after each tribe but without the Lord's glory there it still does not comply with Yahweh's word and this calls into question at least one of the signs and wonders the Jewish Antichrist will do he will do miracles that will fool people into thinking Yahweh's glory has fallen there do you not think the Jews understand that the glory of Yahweh was missing in the second temple of course they do this is why one of the signs and wonders the Antichrist will do is to make it look like there is a cloud of glory in that temple in the second temple era there was no way to fake Yahweh's glory but in the coming Jewish temple which is not Ezekiel's third temple built by the Messiah Yeshua there will be fakery because man now has the technology to fool even the elect if it were possible this is something a message that needs to go out around the world for the elect if you're listening to this you need to send this off to your friends and family so they will know what they're looking for when this happens back to the article the goal of the temple is to connect the hearts minds and actions of the Jewish people to God in heaven then the Jewish people God's chosen people are supposed to serve as a living example of a nation that lives a holy existence that is the ultimate method through which the temple can uplift the entire world well notice it is only the Jewish people who get to connect to God only the Jews are chosen not all Israel all 12 tribes and all for the purpose of the world looking on with admiration of the Jews and now what will happen to the Jewish temple 
Well, it will be destroyed. Zechariah 14:3 and 4 says, Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on the day of battle. On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. You know, when that happens, it's just across the valley. That valley is going to be huge. That will also split Temple Mount. In fact, Revelation 16:19 says, The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and God remembered Babylon the Great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. Everything in and around Jerusalem will be destroyed. The Jewish temple won't be left standing. Now let's move on to the top ten signs of redemption in this past biblical year as brought to you by Breaking Israel News. Breaking Israel News published an article this week detailing the 10 most important signs of redemption that have happened in this past biblical calendar year. The first, multiple Jewish sources point to Israel's election impasse as the gateway to Messiah. Well, it could also be a sign that Yahweh is setting Israel up for a bigger problem later on down the road and the Jewish leadership is just not seeing it. The Bible says it won't go so well after the Antichrist is revealed and Yahweh's altar gets shut down. This election impasse could be leading to this very fulfillment. 2. Yemen's involvement in attack on Saudi Arabia fulfills Isaiah's Gog and Magog prophecy. And three, universal prayer, non-Jewish sacrifice on Mount of Olives cancels out war of Gog and Magog. (laughs) Wait, this doesn't make sense. First, Isaiah 19 is a proclamation from Yahweh about Egypt. It has nothing to do with the Gog-Magog war. Second, if Yemen's attack on Saudi Arabia, which happened before the Mount of Olives sacrifice this week, fulfilled the Gog-Magog prophecy, then why did the Jews still need to do a sacrifice to devils this week with their new Noahides in tow on the Mount of Olives just a couple of weeks after Yemen's attack on Saudi Arabia? Why didn't they just say, oh well, the Gog-Magog war has been fulfilled? Also, unless Yahweh moved his mountains of Israel to Yemen a few days ago, this prophecy has not been fulfilled. Why? Because the Gog-Magog war will occur in the mountains of Israel, also known today as the West Bank. Ezekiel 38.8 After many days you, Gog, will be mustered. In the latter years you will go against the land that is restored from war, the land whose people were gathered from many peoples upon the mountains of Israel which had been a continual waste. Its people were brought out from the peoples and now dwell securely, all of them. So it's about the mountains of Israel, not Saudi Arabia. 
man these Jews they just twist the prophecies to fit whatever they want the prophets to say four exclusive burning of heifer takes place in preparation for third temple this was a misleading headline folks this was an aged sick female cow the wording of the headline alluded to the red heifer though people were getting excited but then they found out how adept the Jews are at deception and before you start telling me I'm a Jew hater and an anti-Semite let me take you to what Jeremiah said because if I am he certainly is because this is where I'm getting it Jeremiah 8.1 at that time declares the Lord now I'm telling you who he's going to be talking about here in a little bit the bones of the kings of Judah the bones of its officials the bones of the priests the bones of the prophets the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be brought out of their tombs so he's starting in Jeremiah 8.1 talking about Judah it is these people that Yahweh refers to when he says in Jeremiah 9 6 your habitation is in the midst of deceit through deceit they refuse to know me says the Lord then in verse 8 Yahweh says Yahweh by the way is the one that's speaking this about their deceit their tongue is an as an arrow shot out it speaks deceit Yahweh said so obviously if I'm an anti-Semite and a Jew hater then Yahweh also is because he says their tongues speak deceit one speaks peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth but in heart he lays his Wait, and then in Jeremiah fourteen four, then the Lord Yahweh said to me, "This Jeremiah, the Lord told me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name." We've been just reading lies for the past year or longer from Breaking Israel News. Everything they publish in there, just about, with the, with some exceptions. But just about everything that Breaking Israel News prophesies to you is a lie. The Lord says, I sent them not. I did not send the prophecies. Neither have I commanded them. Neither did I speak to them. They prophesy to you a false vision and divination and a worthless thing and the deceit of their Heart. Do you think the Jews are different today than the Jews were back then? If you do, then you are deceived. Move on to number five. Foxes appear on Temple Mount in time to fulfill verse in Lamentations read on ninth above. That breaking Israel news article portrayed the appearance of the foxes as a hopeful sign. But the scriptures have something different to say about foxes. Lamentations 5.18 says because of the mountain of Zion which is desolate the foxes walk upon it. Yeshua told the Jews he was leaving their house desolate in Matthew 23.38 and Luke 13.35. He's not come back to you know stop their house from being desolate. 
Ezekiel 13.4 says, O Israel, your prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. See, foxes are not a sign of hope. The Jews who write the Breaking Israel News articles are liars, deceiving and manipulating unwitting Christians who happen to love Israel because they love God. And they're trapping those people. And now number six. Are the ten plagues reappearing today? Well, all I have to say about that one is when the plagues return, you won't have to ask this question. Number seven. Ezekiel's end of days vision revealed Dead Sea coming to life. Well, they finally got this one right. The Dead Sea is indeed coming to life. So, hey, you know, that's going to be like nine out of ten. Nine out of ten times you can believe what these Jewish prophets say. Number eight, watch Snake in the Temple. Well, here is a snippet from that story. A snake wriggling out from between the stones of the western wall in search of a meal brought with it a message straight from Jewish mystical teachings connecting the archetypal enemy of man with the high priest in the temple and also perhaps serving as a harbinger of the Messiah. Well, the Jewish mystical teaching is the Kabbalah whose prime character is Leviathan, the serpent, that old devil as John the Apostle called him. However, connecting the devil, the serpent, Leviathan with today's high priest in the Jewish temple is correct. How do I know? I wouldn't know except for the fact that Yeshua explained it. I think maybe this is why the Jews don't like him. He he was an anti-Semite and, you know, he still is an anti-Semite today. Yeah, that's got to be it. Here is what he said. Matthew 12:34, "You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks." Matthew 23:33. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? And by the way, Yahweh's people have been given authority to tread on snakes. Take this to heart. Luke 19 or Luke 10:19. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. That's interesting about the scorpions who hurt everybody else during the great tribulation. But you have authority over them. They can't hurt you. Number nine. Plague of locusts attacks Islam's holiest mosque in Mecca. Sorry, O Jewish leadership. The scripture makes no association between anything happening in Mecca and Yeshua's redemption. And number 10, Sanhedrin invites 70 nations to Hanukkah dedication of altar for the third temple. Well, this is not a positive development for believers in Yeshua, since this will result in being subjected to Noahide slavery and death should you decide to obey Yahweh's commandments after taking the Noahide oath. Plus, this was a fake sacrifice anyway. 
just a show put on for the benefit of those whom the Jews want to subjugate and which continues to lead the world down the merry path toward the rise of mystery Babylon and the Antichrist. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after these messages. Join Pete and Kelly Rambo to clean up Jerusalem and enjoy Sukkot from October 7th to 22nd for only $945. Price includes lodging, breakfast, and dinner each day as well as most transportation. Enjoy other options like tours and shopping. Check AniYosef.com, A-N-I-Y-O-S-E-F.com for details. Sukkot is the Lord's Feast and Jerusalem is the only place to be this year in Jerusalem. Thank you for listening to the Jerusalem Report on Beast Watch News. Full news coverage with a Hebraic perspective of the headlines fulfilling Bible prophecy. Remember to financially and prayerfully support Beast Watch News for keeping you up to date. Send your donation to Beast Watch News today. It takes money to operate this ministry and your help is much appreciated. Now I'm going to switch gears and we're going to go and talk about Trump and his latest scandal. I'm going to put this all together for you and see if maybe there was something else going on behind Ukraine gate. So while all of this was happening in Israel this week, in this breaking news art, Israel news article and everything, Trump found himself embroiled in a new scandal. Oh my, Ukraine gate. A whistleblower's accusation erupted over a phone call between President Donald Trump and Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky, in which Trump allegedly pressured the Ukraine president to launch an investigation of Joe Biden's son and made a threat to withhold U.S. aid for non-cooperation. The Democrats jumped on the impeachment wagon on the testimony of this one whistleblower and the story became the main topic on mainstream media all day. All that was heard was news about this phone call. At the end of the day, the phone call's transcript was released and the Wall Street Journal called it a nothing burger. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was slammed for falsely declaring the opening of an official impeachment investigation, a move that requires a House vote. Some people believe the Democrats may have fallen into a trap, possibly set up by Trump to get even with the Democrats, but there are a couple of other possible reasons for the kerfuffle this week. It may have been someone wanting to embarrass Trump at the U.N., and there is another possibility that possibly Trump was manipulating situations regarding Israel and Iran that perhaps he doesn't want you paying attention to right now. What tipped me off that Trump may have orchestrated this little kerfuffle that kept the mainstream media busy was that no official investigation was launched through the FBI, State Department, or Department of Justice. Nope. Rudy Giuliani said he was investigating on behalf of Trump. 
Giuliani said the reason he's doing the investigation is because the FBI has done a terrible job in earlier investigations. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, but private citizens may investigate all they want, but private citizen investigations never replace official ones. It is only official government agencies investigations that hold up in front of Congress. This is a clue that something sneaky was going on and probably from the Oval Office. That this story was contrived to be a smokescreen to cover up something else. The question is, for what? Let's start with how often a big ruckus in the American news media has turned out to be covering up other events, usually in Israel. Here are some headlines from this week that may provide some clues. President Trump was busy at the United Nations pushing on two agendas that got put on the back burner of the news media because of Ukraine Gate, Iran and anti-Semitism. And these are both playing into a plan that Trump may have. Trump announced at the UN, we won't tolerate Iran's monstrous anti-Semitism. You're kidding, right? War with Iran because they're anti-Semitic, not because they're trying to become a nuclear power, not because they're planning to attack Israel from outside and from within. Trump said, last year, the country's supreme leader said that Israel was a malignant cancerous tumor that has to be removed and eradicated. It is possible, and it will happen. So what? Last week, an ultra-Orthodox rabbi said, secular member of Knesset Yer Lapid was infected with a contagious disease called anti-Semitism. Well, who do you want to go to war with, Donald? the ultra-Orthodox rabbi, or Yair Lapid. You can't declare war because someone says boo or anti-Semite. Iran's anti-Semitic hatred of Israel is unacceptable, Trump told the UN as he warned Tehran that sanctions against it would not be lifted as long as its bloodlust and nuclear drive continued. Iran's hatred of Israel is not because they're anti-Semites, but because they are Edomites. Now back to the article. He said, America will never tolerate such anti-Semitic hate. Thankfully, there is a growing recognition in the wider Middle East that the countries of the region share a common interest in battling extreme extremism and unleashing economic opportunity. Unleashing economic opportunity sounds like a plug for the peace plan to me. Now back to the article. Those common interests present an opportunity, Trump said, and that is why it is so important to have full, normalized relations between Israel and its neighbors. Only a relationship built on common interests, mutual respect, and religious tolerance can forge a better future. While Ukraine gate was going on, Trump was whipping up war energy against Iran. Here is where the Israeli election mess, Ukraine gate, and Iran converge.
The U.S. and Israel may be planning a war with Iran to keep Benjamin Netanyahu in power in Israel if he cannot make a governing coalition in the Knesset. Trump also called on the international community to stand up to Iran. It sounds like Trump is preparing for something bigger than what is already happening in the Middle East. Now, Trump's UN speech came on Tuesday. Take note that it was Tuesday when the press began to crawl all over the Ukraine gate story, and Trump's speech got put lower in the news, so you wouldn't notice him whipping up support for war with Iran and plugging the peace plan while everyone else is looking at a phone call to Ukraine. Trump also insisted he will maintain his maximum pressure campaign against Tehran. But there's something else. What if Trump doesn't want you to recognize that he has taken another big step on the short road to killing you for speaking what they're defining as anti-Semitism? Something else appeared in the press this week about Trump's administration and anti-Semitism. In this article by The Guardian, it has come to light that if you are a university and you criticize Israeli policy, you will lose your federal funding. That is the message the Department of Education is sending with its threat to withdraw federal support for the Consortium for Middle East Studies operated jointly by Duke University and the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill if it does not alter the content of its programming. Huh. Please tell me when it was that the U.S. Congress voted on a policy affecting this kind of muzzling of free speech on college campuses. Well, they didn't. This policy comes from one of Trump's cronies at the Department of Education. Just three months after Betty DeVos, the education secretary, ordered an investigation into a conference about the politics of the Gaza Strip that the consortium had sponsored, an authoritarian threat in and of itself, the Department of Education issued a letter demanding that the Duke UNC consortium remake its curriculum or else. The Department of Education's letter published last Tuesday, that's just one week prior to this Tuesday's scandal, charged that the Duke UNC program was failing to meet its federal mandate by focusing too much on cultural studies and topics like love and desire in modern Iran and not enough on advancing the security and economic stability of the United States. In other words, it seems the program was teaching its students about the complex and varied cultures of countries in the Middle East instead of how to dominate them. The letter did not mention directly the conference on Gaza, during which several well-respected American, Israeli, and Palestinian experts spoke, but it didn't have to. The DeVos-ordered investigation is part of the Trump administration's attempt to crack down on campus criticism of Israeli policy.
a goal to which the administration made its commitment explicit when it appointed Kenneth L. Marcus Assistant Secretary of Civil Rights in the Department of Education. That the investigation was followed by the threat of defunding is an indication of just how serious the Trump administration is about this goal. It has been observed that Marcus had, since leaving the Bush Department of Education, sought to use anti-discrimination law to chill a particular point of view rather than address unlawful discrimination. By chill a point of view, what the Civil Rights Group's letter was, was referring to was Marcus's work as a professional pro-Israel operative and more specifically his efforts to use civil rights law to shut down the BDS movement on university campuses. Now just so you know, I am not in favor of BDS or campus activities involving students making threats against Israel. However, free speech is not necessarily a threat. It is an opinion. There is a difference between an opinion and a threat. The important item to notice is how the Israel issue is dividing America and how much of the Trump administration's pushback against the anti-Israel crowd and BDS is happening outside of the purview of the American press. Orchestration of this appears to be happening behind the curtain and it also appears that Trump is manipulating the press to hide his activities and folks, it's going to jump up and bite Americans in the backside one day. Pace Marcus's op-ed, The Threat of Litigation or the Withdrawal of Funds, would be enough to pressure universities into clamping down on BDS and BDS-adjacent activism, but more recently... Since assuming his post at the Department of Education, Marcus has attempted to take this strategy even further, pushing the government to define the, P the BDS movement as anti-Semitic and designate anti-occupation and Palestine solidarity activism as violations of Jewish students' civil rights. A range of groups from the free speech watchdog Fire to the liberal pro-Israel lobby J Street have warned that the conflation of anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism poses serious threats to campus free speech. To be fair, university campuses have not been favorable to conservative or religious voices either. But Trump is following the rabbis in wrapping all oppositional speech against Israel into one big anti-Israel blanket where all negative speech will be governed by Judaism's Lashon Hara law, shutting off Free speech when it comes to Israel's domestic and foreign policies is becoming a matter of course in the Trump administration. But people won't know this because the real news is being covered up by the mainstream media by trumped up, pun intended, stories that obscure the real important news. And now we're going to look at Iran for a minute. 
And wouldn't you know it, just while Iran's President Rouhani was making his speech at the UN, two rockets landed near the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. Something else you didn't hear about in the mainstream media. Was it a coincidence? Another message to the United States? Well, no group has claimed responsibility for the attack, but Iran and its extensive network of Shiite militias and proxies are often the target of blame, says this article. And here's another Trump administration lie. ISIS defeated. Well... ISIS is nowhere near defeated. Years ago, I said ISIS would adapt, move around, and spread out. And that is exactly what they've done. Did you know that Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the leader of ISIS, is not dead, though he has often been claimed to be, and that his organization, ISIS, is not yet defeated, even though President Trump keeps saying they are? This week, al-Baghdadi released a video in which he tells his fighters to, quote-unquote, be patient. The video was recorded and distributed by Al-Furqan Establishment for Media Production, which has long served as the propaganda arm for the Islamic State's central leadership. Al-Baghdadi said his ISIS fighters should continue to carry out jihad whether they win or lose, and saying ISIS has successfully launched raids in the Khorasan, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and parts of the surrounding countries, Central and West Africa, North Africa, namely Libya and Tunisia, East Asia in the Philippines, Somalia, and Yemen. Baghdadi praised the Knights operating in the home of the Caliphate in Iraq and Syria. Finally, Trump needed the Ukraine diversion because he may be upset at the Israeli election results and the fact that Netanyahu's loss at the polls is preventing the release of the peace plan. I said last week that Yahweh's hand is all over this year's Israeli election failure. It appears our father is in control and that all of the Trump and Israeli plans will happen in his timing. The results that came in on Tuesday, and there's that day again, the day when the Ukraine gate non-scandal began heating up, have made things more complicated for the release of Trump's peace plan. Jason Greenblatt, President Donald Trump's outgoing special envoy to the Middle East, met Kahol Levan's Benny Gantz on Monday, the man who could be become Israel's next prime minister. According to an official statement, Greenblatt, Friedman, and Gantz discussed different topics of importance to Israel-U.S. relations, security challenges in the region, and attempts to promote the peace process. Another way of saying this is that Trump is now hedging his bet by meeting with Gantz. 
The meeting marked the first time in this busy electoral year that Greenblatt met one-on-one and openly with Netanyahu's chief political rival. For Gantz, the meeting will serve as an opportunity to appear prime ministerial and to convince Israelis that he can preserve the strong relationship that Netanyahu has cultivated with the Trump administration. So it seems like Trump has been busier than most people realize this week and I'm not talking about a phone call certainly most eyes have been off the mess with Iran and the problems in Israel this week if nothing else that's it for this Beast Watch News update this is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off click over to beastwatchnews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy